Welcome back to the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Alex Duvall. How are you doing tonight? Joel, I'm doing well. Baseball has started in spring training. High school baseball in Missouri has started. So I'm beyond busy at the moment, but there's no better type of busy than being baseball busy. So couldn't be happier to have baseball back in my life. Um, absolutely thrilled about all that. So um, I will – I will take the 12-hour work days if it means I get to coach baseball all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure tryouts are – you're having a little bit of fun with that for sure. I went to my first baseball game in like a calendar year. and almost, it almost to the day was a calendar year. On Sunday, I went to Oklahoma State, Illinois State, in brand-new Obrate Stadium here in Stillwater. State-of-the-art, one of the top college facilities in the country. Watched Oklahoma State finish off a sweep against Illinois State. Pretty good team out of the Missouri Valley. And, again, I, I have no problem saying that was legitimately the happiest moment of my life in months. When I, watched back, when I walked back into that ballpark for the first time, and you, you walk through that kind of dark concourse – and the stadium in the field just pops out, you know, and it's super like, oh, God, it was, it was a, a moment I'll never forget because I can't say the last time it had literally been a calendar year since I've gone to a baseball game. And I staying room only tickets down the third baseline, so those my buddies had a couple of beers, watched some, some good baseball, fired up the Gap Band a couple of times in, uh, in Oprah 8 Stadium, which was – it's a super fun tradition in, in Oklahoma State. And – I, I just love it, man. I'm, I'm so happy baseball's back. I'm, I moved my setup, my podcasting setup from the dining room to the living room, which is roughly a three-foot movement. But now I'm sitting on my couch with baseball on my TV sitting right in front of me. And I got – I think it's uh, – oh, it's Dodgers and Reds. I, I just turned it on and just for background. But to have live baseball on pretty much any day of the week now until roughly the middle of October, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, man. I, you know, last year, uh, as they'd say that, you know, this, this time last year, because this time last year we were watching baseball, actually, and it was a, a few weeks from now. Um, I remember Friday, March 13th kind of feels like the day that everything went to hell. So, um, but, but to the point where, you know, getting back to the feeling of, man, we really are going to get to watch baseball. I know AAA pushed their season back again, and it's kind of a, you know, fluid situation in minor league baseball. There's, obviously more important things in minor league baseball in the world. So hopefully we get to see a full minor league. Or it won't be full. Hopefully we get to see the majority of a minor league season this year. I'm, I'm getting a little worried about that specifically with AAA getting pushed back a whole month all of a sudden, but um, you know, those alternate sites, the, the summer camp sites will be open. Guys will be training. Um, so there'll still be minor league baseball eventually, I hope, but, Man, I, I missed baseball. Um, I, I missed the feel of spring. I missed, you know, being around the guys, being around coaches, and, and just feeling baseball again, um, smelling baseball again, as Irvin Santana may say. So good to have baseball back. It's good to just be back in the swing of things in a normal baseball spring. Absolutely. And it's been fun to follow the Royals over the last couple of days. You know, they've started, they've started things in surprise and we've gotten to see some guy, you know, some younger guys come up. We're starting to see a little bit of what the big league roster is going to look like. Uh, and we're going to talk about that with a guy that's down there right now in surprise, Alec Lewis, uh, who writes for the Royals for the athletic covers them. He is now, this is the second time on the show. We had him on one of the rare off days of the 60 game season last year. Uh, talking about what that aspect was like. And now we're getting fans in the stands in Arizona, even in a limited capacity. Seems like we're going to have some, some fans in the stands in, uh, you know, at Kauffman and around Major League Baseball as the vaccine becomes more readily available. It seems like we're really heading back quickly toward uh, what life was like before COVID, which is a blessing that you can, you know, that is amazing beyond just the baseball realm. But I'm curious what it's been like to see fans again and, you know, what it's been like, even just the on-field product, you know, they're, they're rolling innings and they're, you know, it's, we're seeing some shortened spring training games, which, you know, it's more like an inter-squad scrimmage in a way, more than just like, you know, your true nine-inning baseball game than what we've seen over the last, you know, few years in spring training. So th there's a lot of moving parts to this, but to have someone, you know, boots on the ground, covering the Royals and Alec does amazing work and I have so much that I want to talk to him about, but this is, it's very exciting the direction that we're heading in more ways than one, but to see 
a relatively more, much more normal baseball season excites the hell out of me. It really does. Yeah, for sure. I, the Royals this, this year too, there's, there's a lot more excitement around it. So it's, you know, spring training is always fun because there's baseball. It's like, Hey, baseball's back. But this year is, is specifically with the Royals being, you know, expecting to be very good. Um, ben Intendi, the Ben Intendi trade coming in, the, the signing of Carlos Santana, Michael A. Taylor made a great play yesterday or maybe it was the day before. Sully Matias hit a ball to Oregon. Um, there's just, there's just been a lot to be really excited about. And especially with the expectations coming in this year, man, like it would be, it would be one thing if we were expecting 2019 Royals and we were coming off of this, man, that would be miserable. That would be really hard just to stomach in a way, but coming off a year where baseball was sort of taken away from us there for a little bit. Um, it's nice to not only get baseball back, but to get good quality competitive baseball back. And I just could not be more excited for what this spring, what this summer is going to hold. And just in the terms of what, what baseball is going to bring us. Absolutely. And what, what I think is really fun about this season as well is we're starting to see a, the blend of our site, you know, and the guys that we've had as top prospect for the last couple of years now start to, make their way to the major leagues and within the first year or so it's like the first draft that the site really you know we really had great coverage on was 2018 which is the pitchers that we're starting to see now with Singer and Bubich and Coar Lynch making their way up Kyle Isbell was in that draft as well and you know guys even before that you know we still got we still got to wait on Prado and Melendez and some other guys but we're starting to see progress and it's not, you know, and we're not going to stop covering what the minor leagues are doing. That's what our site is for. But it is kind of fun to see these guys really start to play at the major league level, get major league time, even if it's in a spring training setting, just to see what they have. And I think we, we've been impressed with what we've seen so far from a couple of guys. Yeah, I was actually really impressed. There's um, a couple of videos going around of Jackson Coar the other day. Um, he struck out. Yeah, I'm going to get this wrong. It wasn't Bobby Dalbeck, was it? He's he's still with Boston, or is that? Yeah, Bobby Dalbeck's with Boston. I don't, I'm not sure who it was. Who's there? But it was, was Bobby, it Bobby Bradley, maybe. Bobby Bradley, that's right. Bobby Bradley, uh, that Coar struck out with what I believe was a really good curveball, and I just yeah, I saw the video, and it's, you know I hate that we're not able to watch the games. Usually, I'm down there right now, um, getting to watch these first few outings, but um, you know, just the it, it's so. Oh, what's the word? Um, such a good metaphor. Coar striking a guy out with a curveball in his first spring training outing, right? Because yep. um, I know Marcus wrote that piece about how he believes that really what's holding Coar back is his fastball, not his curveball. But there are those who believe that Coar is really just a curveball away. Um, and for him to come out this this spring and strike out a guy with his curveball right off the bat, and it had, it had great shape. Um, it appeared to have good velo. It appeared that he – you know, through a full arm, you know, full arm speed uh, with the pitch. Um, just a really good pitch, man. And I, I'm excited for Coar. I've said this multiple times that nothing that I've seen personally um, would would have me having Daniel Lynch significantly over Coar, like in a ranking, right? In terms of who would you rather have? For me, it's a toss up. I might have Coar over Lynch a little bit, um, but the 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 whole thing was that there were so many guys in Royals camp hyping up Daniel Lynch that it's just hard to ignore, right? That pre-2018 Mahomes hype where Coar comes out and he looks awesome. And it just made me so excited because, you know, we know Coar's good. He looked great the other day. The players and the staff are hyping up Daniel Lynch like they're not afraid to be wrong. And it's just, man, it is really exciting. The Royals have some really good, talented young arms on their way. And, I think it's going to make this summer a lot of fun. I absolutely think it will. I'm really excited for what we have in spring training, the minor league season, major league season. And I, I've said it on every podcast, but it's just good to have baseball back. Like it just – I never I, – I will never take for granted losing baseball for the months that we did last year in that 60-game sprint, which just felt – it still just kind of felt wrong and weird and odd. But then again, so has everything in the past calendar year or so. But I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to Alec Lewis. We're going to have him on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. 
down in Arizona. We are joined by Alec Lewis. Uh, Alex and I are very jealous of you, my friend. Uh, for those that don't know, Alec writes for The Athletic covering the Kansas City Royals. And I said he's down in Phoenix covering spring training. How's the weather and how, how's everything going down there? I'm not sure it could be better, to be honest with you. Um, it's been – look, it started out a little cold, but coming from Kansas City, it's like uh, – I mean, we were talking about fastball extension. It, it, when you're here, cold is just – it just plays up. I mean, it's, it's just uh, – it's so much better. So, no, it's been – things have been really good. Um, seen a lot of, lot of good things, a lot of really interesting things. So, just fortunate and thankful to be down here, really. Um, and thankful to see people in person, even if it's from a distance. So, it's been, uh, it's been really, really good. I'm, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, I wanted to – to, I was talking about this when Alex and I introed it. Like, it's so good to see fans in the stands for games. Even, you know, percentages are, are what they are. But to, to see people at a game, I went to a game last Sunday for Oklahoma State. It was 25% capacity. But to be at a ball game again, it was awesome. And I, and I loved it. And so what's it been like going from last season, 60-game season, no fans at all, to the back to a limited capacity, seeing people in the crowd? What's that, the atmosphere been like from last year to this year? Yeah, I can't answer this question without thinking about um, Tuesday's game. The Royals played the Cubs in Mesa. Um, Mesa's like kind of south, so the Royals had to drive. And Daniel Lynch was on the mound. Um, you guys might have heard of him. And, um, and Lynch, it was so interesting. Like his first inning went really, really well. And then second inning, he comes back out. And um, a guy got on base. Sorry, I don't remember the specific guy, but Lynch was trying to – I mean, he was throwing a pick over, trying to pick the guy off, but just kind of do – it's kind of a routine. These guys are working on their pickoff move in spring training. And each time there was this one fan who was like, boo, come on, Lynch, like what are you – and I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, when's the last time Daniel Lynch, like, has been on the mound and some ridiculous fan is like – screaming at him but it was consistent it was over and over um and so that that element was really interesting like for me personally specific um like that same day I just I was walking through the, the the concourse and just to see like young kids and families like out enjoying just a, a day together in a public setting it's it's like it's cliche that's like it's amazing but it, it is like a it was a beautiful thing. It, it was um, just really cool to see. It made me think of like growing up with my day, going up, going to games. It just, it's just a really cool thing. And we, I mean, last year, as great as the fake crowd noise was, um, it, it's good to be real life, doing real life things for sure. That didn't really hit me until I won't bring up the specific play because I know Joel wants to ask you about it, but. There was a there's a very specific play and the young fan out in left field takes off running backwards to go catch a ball and like I didn't it didn't really hit me that the idea of fans being in the stands and and remembering that last year we didn't have that until until that moment little kid gets up off his seat in the grass in left field and he starts chasing after a ball I'm like oh like hey we haven't haven't seen that in a while like cool it wasn't a cardboard cutout like, that guy's moving like. I don't know. And, it was just something weird about that. Whereas, like, not not that I was unexpected that the kid moved. Like, I clearly processed the kid, <laughs> but it was almost like a, it was almost like a, I don't know. It was like had to get out of the cardboard cardboard cutout mentality and like acknowledge there's a human being running after a baseball in a baseball game. It was kind of kind of cool. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I remember March twelfth of twenty twenty. Um, when, when everything kind of shut down, I remember having been at the ballpark or at, at the facility that day. And, uh, and I remember like leaving and seeing um, Dayton more like out on, on kind of the porch of his office, like overlooking the stadium fans were coming in. And as I walked in this year, like the first game at surprise stadium, I just kind of, it's just like, it's so crazy. <laughs> Almost a year's time. And what, just what everybody's been through in so many facets. Um, it's just a wild thing. It's, it is beautiful. I keep saying that, but it's it, like, I don't, it's a perfect adjective for it just because it, it, there's just something special about in-person, real life, human being connection. We were made for that. Um, 
So for it to, to be a thing again in any capacity is amazing. So I'll start here because it was the, one of the first big highlights of spring training that kind of that got some some national buzz. We had a couple today. We're recording on uh, March third, where you know Shohei Otani hits a ball over the batter's eye, and then Wander Franco hit an absolute bomb today as well, number one prospect in baseball. But I think Sulu Matias hit a baseball that hasn't come down yet, and you were there to see it. Please, like, talk to me about that. <laughs> because it's just it's so awesome like we know about his power we've heard about it so much he's been hurt he's been inconsistent he's struck out a lot but the power obviously still plays but to see that home run in person you know what was that like yeah I'm gonna start in the sixth inning of that game um so we're at Goodyear Goodyear ballpark in Goodyear Arizona um, beautiful beautiful like a, stadium yeah there's like an airport right uh near there it's the I'm I'm starting in the sixth inning because I got a call from a buddy at that time, um, and and the game was absolutely dragging. I mean, it was as boring. I'm sorry to anybody who was playing or watching or really enjoying it, but for me, I answered this my phone my 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 buddy. I answered the the phone. I was on the phone. I'm like, we're three innings away. I had to talk to him after the game. Whatever. So we get off the phone. I'm just trying to stay engaged in some form in case anything happens. So I go back up to my seat in the press box and seventh inning passes eighth inning. We get to the ninth inning and, um, and Suli walked up to the plate. And I, I mean, just like you guys, I know the power. I've, I've watched his Instagram videos. I've, I'm, <laughs> I've very, I'm very, uh, I'm just fascinated by it because I've seen him on the backfield do some stuff that I've never seen before. Um, and uh, one of those first few pitches, and I wasn't tracking each pitch, to be honest, um, you heard a sound that I, you only hear on, like, a golf course when you're on a tee box or something. And the ball just – it there was wind, and so you didn't really know what was going to happen. But the ball kept going, and it wasn't – it never looked like it was coming down. And so it was like, how, where is this going to end up? And then all of a sudden, you see the ball hit, like, the – the base of the top part of a palm tree and it looked like a pinata and just leaves flew out like candy. And then the ball just, I don't know where the ball went. Nobody knew where it went. And I, it was like, did I really see this? Like, did he actually do that? And, and the reason I think my fascination, there was a day last year in spring training 2020 where I like walked up to the backfield. I'm sunburnt as heck. And I walk up there cause I'm just goofy and I want to see as much baseball as I can. Um, and I'm up on the backfields and he's taking BP and he hit like six balls that looked like they were going to just take off a roof. Like literally there were houses beyond the field and it just didn't seem real. People are going, Oh no way. Like what? And so I've never forgotten that. And so when he did that, uh, Sully did that this week, it was, it was, it was just something like, I don't never, I don't think I'll ever see anything like that again. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. And, and it, it turned out great for me because it's like, I've long dug into his backstory and kind of what he's been through. And I've never really had a time to where it made sense because he just hasn't played competitive games besides winter ball where he got hurt. Um, so it was just the perfect opportunity. And, um, and he deserved, I mean, he's put in a ton of work I know with the staff and just, and you can see the smile on his face. That's, that's what, that's why you get into it. That's why you do it. So it was just all around <laughs> sweet. Honestly, it was, it was really cool. It was cool to see it for him, too, because like you said, in 2019, he gets hurt, and like he, he was hitting so well before he got hurt, and he gets hurt, didn't tell anybody, like you mentioned in your story, and you know, just a, it was a bad year for Suley in 2019. 2020 comes around, chance to redeem yourself, really for all three of those guys, the big, the big three there in Wilmington that didn't do very well in 2019, chance to redeem yourself, and then that chance is taken away from you, so now we're, we're two years removed. These guys are so they're drafting 17. I mean, they're 22, 23 years old, and they haven't really had a chance to prove themselves yet. And for Stooley to be able to step in there and, and hit a ball like that to remind people of who he was before the injuries and before the struggles and before COVID, just to just – just, I haven't gone anywhere. Like, don't forget about me. I'm still here. I'm still hitting 500-foot home runs. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't cross me off your list yet. I mean, 
really cool moment for him to just put himself back on people's maps and remind them like of how excited Royals fans were for him back in 2018, I believe it was when he took um, Justice Sheffield deep in that futures game. So um, really cool moment for him. I was really excited for him, really happy for him. But I mean, like you guys talked about just the sheer magnitude of the ball he hit. Like (laughs) I still think that the furthest ball I've ever seen hit was Travis Hafner and at Coffin Stadium, the, the beams that hold the lights up in the back of the stadium, um, there's the last one in right field. It's like, man, I don't know. It's 80% of the way down the right field line, but it's obviously way up in the air and back behind all the seats. And Travis Hafner hit a ball that hit that beam, and it was still going up as it hit that beam. And that's probably somewhere between 12 and 15 when he hit it. I remember thinking back, like, what the hell? Like, how how does a human being hit a baseball that far? And it never appeared to be coming down. Like, But that that's what that ball reminded me of that Suli hit. was just, like, of the furthest balls I've ever seen hit. Like, you just immediately have to add that to your to your collection of things that you've seen at a baseball park. What, what shot me the most, or what, what I thought was the most unfortunate, is I don't know if anybody had the video of the palm tree blowing up. I mean, that was like the, it was like something from like Mario Party or something. <laughs> like it just didn't make any sense. Like nothing about it made sense. And and like Sam Melliger was up there and Annie Rogers and we just it was like did, did that like what? And I remember at the very end of the night, Paul Hoynes has been covering Cleveland for like forever. He was like, wait, where did that ball go go again? And we it was like, and he was like, holy, it was just it was unbelievable. It was it was. Um, it's not something I'll ever forget. I'm glad I was here for it. I really am. Um, and I mean, who knows? Suli's power potential is crazy. And obviously, I mean, I don't have to say anything that's not obvious in terms of if he just can, can, can fight through at bats and remain healthy. Um, I just think sky's the limit for him. He made today actually, and we're talking Wednesday, he made a great catch in right field off of, Kelvin Gutierrez rocket. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I hadn't seen him make that kind of defensive play and that will get no pop, but it was actually very interesting. So, um, yeah, really cool for him. No doubt. There's, um, you know, another prospect we wanted to talk to you about is, is Bobby Wood jr. He's been in the big league lineup. I think you've gotten at least in all four games so far. Um, and he's held his own. And, and the one thing that, even going back to summer camp last year, that, that when watching Bobby Witt Jr. and following him through these big league game, through his uh, his appearances in big league action, in the field, he looks the part. Like, he, he could come up and play a big league infield right now. I have no doubt in my mind. He is awesome in, in the field. At the plate, he doesn't look like he's capable yet to hit every day, but he doesn't look overmatched either. Like, I don't think big league pitchers are getting the best of him. I don't think they're taking advantage of him. They're not throwing pitches out of the zone where he, that he's chasing consistently. They're not getting him to swing and miss through pitches consistently. He's just not squaring it up to a point where he's going to access the power he's got and the power he's got, the raw ability is 20, 30 home runs a year. Really? I mean, it's kind of what I expect of him, but he's just not getting to it yet. So to see the Royals, putting him in those lineups all the time and letting him get consistent action against big leaguers. You know, we said on the podcast last week, Joel and I did with Shane Summers that we didn't think there was any way for any reason Bobby Wood Jr. plays in the big leagues in 2021. And I still don't think that's true. I, or I, I'm sorry. I still think that's true. I don't think he, he debuts this year, but it has to say something I think about how the organization views him, that they're giving him all of these opportunities against the big leaguers when they could very easily be getting a look at Lucius Fox or Hanser Alberto or Nicky Lopez or Eric Mejia or insert nine other guys who have been in the organization longer than him. They're putting him out there. So, I th- I mean, what's your take on that? Do you think this is something where he's held his own and, man, if he keeps hitting well enough, maybe we could see him in September? Or is it more or less the – the org's impressed and they're just going to let him go out there and battle and just kind of see what he's got. I think there's two parts of it that come to mind for me. I think the first is, um, I mean, he's a guy who last year, as you mentioned in the summer training camp was very brief 
brief time, like held his own. And it's kind of like anything in life. Like someone makes an impression and then they make their second impression. You're like, you need to see consistency to continue to believe like that's who they are. But the only way to see consistency is if you keep giving them a shot. You see what I'm saying? So I think for them, for him to play as much as he has this spring is like, look, he, he played extremely well last year against our guys. So let's see, let's push this forward, have him face other guys, put him in a, a sink or swim position and see if he, if he swims or, or he sinks. I think the, the second part is um, they believe he can handle it. I mean, I, I think some guys you want to make sure either where it, it's psychological, you, you worry that if they fail, then it may set them back further. I just think they believe his makeup is to a point where it's like, even if he struggles here, um, he'll be able to bounce back. So we're not going to hesitate in doing that. Um, to get to your broader question on like timeline, I mean, I, there, there's just so many factors at play. Obviously, um, they're not going to promote a guy who's going to be an everyday player to a spot to where he's not playing every day. So there would have to be an opportunity, which would likely mean injury or trade or, or something kind of out of, out of the ordinary. That's, that's, that's my personal opinion. I would never say never. Like, I'm not going to rule anything out. Um, because truthfully, I mean, he, I mean, you mentioned the power, but he's, he's more built than he's ever been. I know he worked really hard this off season on that and you see him, um, and it's just BP, but you see him getting to that power and, and, and going oppo with it too and going to, to, to dead straightaway center. So I think I, 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 he hasn't shown that in a game thus far, but again, he's, he's facing like big league pitching for the first uh, real time in, in competitive games against opposing teams. So I'm not, I'm not going to put I, – I, like this is a, a Royals line, a Dayton Moore line. I'm not going to put like a limitation on what I think, what time I think, just because he continued to push past, I think, everything you would have expected at a level where you would expect a lot. Um, but it, it's been cool to see. Like today comes up – I think he got down in the count one-two. He's facing a, 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 funky, a funky delivery lefty who hides the ball as deception – he, he, he takes a pitch out of the zone, and then he, he, he gets a little bit to that power and chops one that was hard enough, and then he busts it down the line, which scouts notice. And it's like you, just, you get that opportunity and you run with it, and, and we'll see. He's just – the other thing about him, and, like, I'm going on and on, but there's a reason. <laughs> like he's a guy who's going to be a cornerstone for this organization. Um, and Nicky Lopez said this today, but he's like, you really see guys at this level who just enjoy the game and play like they're a kid. And that's a cliche thing, I guess. But I saw him like the other day walking from one field in the backfield to another. And he's like, woo, like skipping around and he's young, but like, he just literally, I think loves what he's doing and the people he's doing it with. And you just kind of, in my role, you're objective, but you kind of just have to smile. Like that is awesome that a dude at that, at that level, um, acts that way uh, because it's it just, I don't know if, if it's as common as, as it looks. So um, I don't know a lot to say about him. It's just, it's been impressive. That's all. That's all I know to say. And I, I'm, it's just the truth. Yeah. And that, and it's been the most impressive thing to me is just not, it's hard for us to see how he's handling it because we're not there, but how he's physically handling the pitching and he's not overmatched. Like, he, he was in high school two years ago, and they have just thrown him right into the fire just to see what happens, and he is not overmatched by big league pitching. Now, I don't think he's – like I said earlier, he's not capable of handling it every day just yet, but he's not overmatched. And it's – man, I just – I can't not be excited about him. I love what I see from him, and, you know, I still don't think he debuts this year. I just think – and if he does, I think things have gone so horribly bad that it probably doesn't matter anyway. Um, but I, I don't think he debuts this year, but it's like they are clearly giving him enough action with their current roster that it wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes straight to double A and then is knocking down the door by the end of the season either. The other thing, too, I think it's important to mention, and sometimes I don't know if we mention it enough, is like there's a, there's a tangible thing to – having the respect of other guys in the clubhouse when you get there. And for him to compete 
against opposing teams um, and contribute in these games that a lot of people are going to say don't matter, but, like, they want to win. Um, it, it just ups the respect level for, for when that time comes, whenever that time comes. And I don't, I don't know if you can put a tangible value on that, really. So it's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And Alex, I agree with you as well. He's not going to debut in 2021 unless things have gone so horribly bad that we need something to get keep the fan base relatively happy. But I don't foresee that being the case either. But I do think he's seen – he saw some really good pitching at the alternate site, whether it's major league pitching or not. Like he was facing Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar, Chris Bubich, you know, Austin Cox, other John Bowen, other dudes that are really good guys and are going to be major league pitchers. And he, from all we've heard, he held his own the entire time. He's holding his own against big league guys or guys that are knocking on the door of being big leaguers at spring training right now. I think he's going to probably start in high A in quad cities. And I don't think he's going to be there long. And he'll probably be in double A by the all-star break. And by that point, we're looking at a dude that within, by maybe the middle of 22, is playing shortstop or third base at the big league level. I, I think his timeline is probably right on track with where they had him, but it feels way shorter than it should be just because he hasn't played a full minor league season yet. We're going to see how he handles that this year, but he seems like the dude that, that absolutely can handle that. And I think having, and I think something that I haven't, I haven't thought about a lot, at least is the fact that, you know, he's got a big a dad that played in the big leagues and played professional baseball. So he knows what to expect from some of those things and what it's like to be in a clubhouse and grind through that kind of season. So I, I think this is a huge year for Bobby Wood Jr. I'm so excited for what he's going to do and what he's, the fact that he's producing or showing really good signs and a lot of flashes early on right now in spring training says a lot about where he's at right now. The other thing, too, really, is, like, I don't know where they'll start him. I, I, I truly have no idea. And I, I, I don't – I mean, with, with them putting it – I think there's something to um, – like, maybe he faces adversity here in this big league. Or maybe they start him and, and push him and see how he handles that. Because it's, it's kind of – I mean, look, for him, it's kind of been smooth sailing. Obviously, COVID gets in, is another – anxiety and and pressure and and challenge in itself but from a from a strictly baseball standpoint maybe there's something good to just seeing him handle some struggles and seeing how he overcome I think um I mean you just think about I, I can't not think about Adalberto Monesty and just just the 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 quick way in which he was he was um thrust up there and I just I, I think some of the struggles might – it's been tough for him, and, and he's battled and, and did what he did at the end of last season, so we'll see. But um, I just think there, that's another element, the, the, make, the, the mental ability, the makeup to be able to push past um, a, a serious hurdle that, that you might – I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. Has, has always been the guy. So I think that could, that could show something in itself, something that, that a push could provide. So we'll see. For sure. So, kind of jumping off Bobby Witt Jr. here, you mentioned struggling. Daniel Lynch the other day didn't quite get done with two innings, gave up three hits, walked three. Um, you know, you, you mentioned off the air that he had a good first inning and then the second inning maybe unraveled a little bit. Um, what can you tell us about how Daniel Lynch looked? What was his velo like? And, uh, you know, kind of was that, was that inning a little bit of a genuine struggle? Was it kind of fluky? And he looked good, and we're just kind of on to the next one. Yeah, the first inning was great. I mean, the fastball had life. He was blowing it by guys at, like, 98 on the stadium gun, which was impressive. I, I was like, is he going to hold that? Like, I don't, I don't know. But the delivery looked good. The mound presence looked good. Um, coming back on the second inning, um, it just got tougher. He, 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 I think he was moving a little quicker. Um, I think there might have been a guy on first base that was thinking about that. Um, just repeatability, which which has been a thing. I mean, for him to succeed, got to obviously control the baseball, um, and it was just something that was a little bit um, inconsistent that second inning. Um, the secondaries weren't at his best. I know he's he's he felt like I mean, it just things weren't working sometimes the way you want them to. The below it looked as if dropped to like ninety four, which is a little like. You raise, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Um, 
But I, I think a lot of it was just flying open. It's his first competitive game, first real game, like a year and a half. So for me to be like, uh, it was it was real. I mean, look, it's it's some adversity. He's got it. He's seen it. On to the next one. We'll see what happens. I, I think this dude's stuff is too good. Uh, just just sheer stuff is too good for him not to succeed. And he's such a such a um, like sharp dude. Like he he gets it. He's very smart. He's very um, intuitive and in kind of how he works. It's it just first outing. Um, Started great, then 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 kind of unraveled, as you said, as I said. And so we'll see how the next one goes. I'm really intrigued to see how he bounces back from that. I, if he was flying open, if he can kind of um, stick just direct like he worked on at the alternate, alternate side, it'll be interesting uh, to see how he bounces back. Kind of the antithesis of that was Jackson Kowar in his debut where he came out in the first inning, he got, um, got had, had a guy on. And then I can't remember who it was. Somebody hammered a ball out into right center field. Michael A. Taylor runs it down, doubles him up, doubles the runner off at first. And then Jackson Kowar struck out two and looked really sharp in his second inning of work. Um, any thoughts on, on his spring debut? Yeah, the breaking ball was great. And, and last spring, I think, he pitched in a game. And I think the breaking ball was great then, too, if I remember it. I don't know if it's a new grip, same grip. I'm not really sure. The changeup, we can talk about it, but it's it's one of the best I've ever seen, so I'm not sure we need to talk about it. And then the fastball, it got hit a little bit. I think it was that Eddie Rosario ball that the wind might have held up, to be honest with you. But he was controlling it and, and, and commanding it in spots. And if he can do that, I mean, he, he'll, he'll live up to the expectations a lot of people have. I think Jackson similarly um, – I mean, I think he's worked really hard to just get to that point at which he is repeating his fastball. So I think it was really important that he went out and did what he did, starting against Cleveland and facing uh, Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez. I mean, the, facing these guys. I think it, that was a really important step. Um, and I just, I think with that changeup and the breaking ball, like I don't think that was a fluke at all. I think he could throw that breaking ball, as you guys have written. Um, I, I, I really think he has. Uh, the potential to, to play a part at some point in some fashion. Um, it's just a matter of innings, and, and there's just so many factors. But it was really, it was a really good first outing for him, and they were excited with that, I know. So we've, we've talked about a lot of the more known commodities, at least among, you know, people that listen and follow our stuff and Royals fans that are really kind of plugged into what the organization has to offer beyond the major leagues. But who are some guys that maybe we aren't talking about enough? Like, I mean, if you give us one pitcher and one hitter that maybe we aren't talking about enough that's at least impressed early on for you. Colin Snyder is the pitcher. He was a, a draft pick in the 2017 draft. Um, he got thrown into the, the he, game he, with Suli. Suli Alec, he, he, he's a Vanderbilt kid, right? Yeah, he went to Vanderbilt. Um, and uh, I think he was a 12th round pick in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he got thrown. I, I saw him throw some lives in the backfield. And I got to be totally honest with you. Like, there's a lot going on, and I'm trying to and, – and I, I just didn't watch him too closely. Um, but then he gets thrown into this game with the bases loaded. Here's a young guy. It might have been his first ever, like, big league spring training game, which is a big deal for, for these guys. And he got out of the inning and then came back and I think struck out two guys in that second inning. Um, I think he has three pitches, like a mid, a, a low to mid-90s fastball, I think a curveball and a changeup also. I need to watch him more closely next time. But um, to see him come in and do that was just really, really impressive. A guy whose name I just haven't heard that, that much um, and haven't seen. And that could be my fault, my responsibility. I don't know. The hitter um, – I mean, I've been really impressed with Clay Dungan. Uh, and he's a guy who, who some have talked about. Um, Lefty, I've, I saw him defensively at shortstop. Um, he had another hard hit ball today, but just a, la a later round pick, I think in 2019, the fact he's already here says a lot about what they think of him. Um, and, and yeah, I'm excited to watch him a little bit more. Anderson Miller's another guy who's been around for a long time. You guys have, have tweeted and talked about him for a long time, but I've seen him smoke a few balls. Uh, the swing is just beautiful. And so um, 
I don't know. He's another guy. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that's really stood out. Emmanuel Rivera. Um, I know Mike Matheny talked about him the other day. He got a hit off Shane Bieber, kind of crushed one to straightaway center. So, and he had raked in, in Puerto Rico this offseason. So he's another guy. But I mean, I don't know. A lot of these names are interesting and just interesting to follow because you just, I, I almost find it more fascinating than some of these top prospects. Like what makes one of these guys who wasn't a top, I mean, what elevates them? It's, it's a fascinating question to me. Uh, but sometimes you can just see it. Like with Clay Dungan, he just, it looks like he knows he belongs and it looks like he does belong. And, and that's a good sign for the Royals and the scouts that, that saw him and, and drafted him, no question. Yeah, Duncan's a guy I left off our shortstop list and, and had him on our second base list in terms of our uh, top prospects at each position because, honestly, there's just a lot of shortstops in his way. <laughs> um, but more specifically, like, he reminds me so much – you know, I, I don't want to put a hard comp on him, and I'm not trying to, but he reminds me of Nicky Lopez, and it's just – Hard contact, but he's never going to hit for a lot of power. And he could play shortstop. Like, I think Nicky Lopez is capable of playing shortstop consistently on the big league level. But he's, I think, better suited at second base where he can be like a gold glove caliber second baseman, which is why I think Dungan kind of can be. He's just – he reminds me a lot of Lopez. And I think part of it is if, you know, now that may not sound great with Nicky having struggled last year, but – I mean, Nicky flew through the minors. He hit at every level, and Duncan really hit well at Idaho Falls last year. He's just – he's kind of interesting to me um, in, in a sense that I, I, I don't know how much his defense is going to matter, like, long-term because at some point you just got to hit. Like, at some point all these guys are going to have to hit. So we'll, we'll see what kind of approach he can bring, what kind of um, pop he can bring into his bat. But, man, I – you know, when you draft a guy as late as Dungan was drafted, which I think Dungan in 2019 was like a 13th rounder, maybe something so, like that. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but it was something like that for sure. I don't either. It was like I said, it wasn't crazy high. It wasn't a Kyle Isbell third round pick where you kind right. of expect Kyle Isbell to be good. But I remember thinking, huh? Like there's, like I can, I can at least definitely see why the Royals like him. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's funny. Like with Nikki, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. This is a guy who was so, so good through the minors, so solid, so consistent, leader on the field, great on defense, didn't swing and miss, did the job. And then he gets to the big leagues and struggles for a year and a half. And now it's like the whole fan base is like, no, you're going to cop him to Nicky. It's like, whoa, in 2019, if you'd, asked, if you'd have said that, you'd be like, hell yeah, for a, a, a guy to – so it's just fascinating to me. I know Nicky's worked his butt off this offseason too. Um be interesting to see what that means for him at the plate but but yeah Dungan's Dungan's interesting and I, I just come back to the fact he's here and the fact he's he's taking infield I mean he's shuffling around with Nick Lofton and and um and Bobby Wood Jr. in the infield it, it's just it's interesting a guy just I didn't have on my radar and it's that's always fun it's always enjoyable to see guys kind of just pop up that, that you didn't that I as a reporter it's my job that I but I just didn't didn't wasn't as aware I know, I know we, Joel and I both, what we were talking off air before you jumped on, we wanted to talk about the, the feeling around, around the team. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want to be cliche too much where it's, you know, what's the, the, almost exactly what we were talking about. Like, what's the vibe? What's the buzz like around the team? But I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to say and just kind of, you know, say this and then move on that the players know. But they kind of do. Like, the players aren't so naive that in 2019 when, they, when the Royals rolled into camp, like, I, I don't think the expectation in 2019 was we're going to go win the World Series. Like, I don't think I, – I think the players kind of know that. Do you get the feeling that the players know that they're about to be pretty good? Like, do you get the feeling that they think they can, like, legitimately compete for a playoff spot? Because – even if I, you know, the fans and the maybe even the media don't think they can compete for a playoff spot this year, I don't think they're so far off that it's totally ridiculous to think about either, which means the players have to be buzzing. I mean, you bring in a Benintendi, a former number one overall prospect, semi-local kid out of Arkansas. You bring in Carlos Santana, who has eaten the Royals alive forever. <laughs> and even if the national media doesn't 
acknowledge that move very much. You know the Royals players are because he has just destroyed them for so long that they're probably thrilled to not have to play. Like, I was joking with a buddy about this the other day. He goes, well, he's like, how many wins do you think Santana brings to the table? I'm like, two, but, like, if you count the ones that he was taking away from you, like, eight. Like, I mean, eight in any given season. Like, that's an eight-win player right there. So, Brian I mean, Cowher I don't know, man. Like, Singer specifically were like, I'm glad I don't have to face that guy anymore. Yeah. Like, that's the feeling that you get having him on your team now. Brady Singer said that sucks. That, or that sucks facing him. That sucks. But, um, I don't know. I, I think uh, for my first answer to the question is, like, part of a player's uh, – like, when a player – I think you're, you're right. When like, they understand and they realize, I also think they're a little bit like night. I think it's all almost what makes a professional athlete like this, this blindness to like maybe the truth, because you have this confidence, you have this ego. So I, I think that might be part of it, but I do think they, they, there's a feeling of like, we um, like we're, we're, we're close. And I think like, I don't know, you go back to 2013 and 2014, like, in the beginning of 2014, like, did they have this feeling of, like, we're gonna be there? Like, I don't think you, I mean, I, I wasn't there, so I don't, and I wasn't through it all, but I don't think at, like, the beginning of 2014, they had a feeling of, like, we're gonna win the World Series this year. I just, it just, I think they had a feeling of, like, we're, we're excited we could do something, and um, if things go our way, something's gonna happen, and and I don't like. I'm not trying to compare 2014 and 2021. People are gonna go crazy with that, I'm sure. But it's like I think there's a feeling of if things go right, if we stay healthy, and if some of these guys, not all of them, but some of them, like like bounce back or up their their ability, or like it doesn't have to be all of these guys at once. But if you take a little bit of a little bit better from Carlos Santana in terms of slow. If you take a, a little bit more consistency from Mondesi, if Dozier's much closer to 2019, and you just get these little pieces, um, I think there's a feeling like we, we could surprise a lot of people. And I, I keep coming back to this. They split with Cleveland last year. They split with Minnesota last year. The White Sox crushed them. Um, but they got better than Cleveland. They did, excuse me, they did more than Cleveland this offseason. Minnesota, I mean, I'm just not sure. It's, it's they're just a very interesting kind of random – you just don't really know. Um, they're obviously really good, but, but I'm just not so, so sold. I mean, conceiv- it's conceivable to think this team could, could compete with those, those teams. And that, if you compete with those teams, I mean, you're putting yourself in some kind of position to be close. And um, I think – so I do think there's that vibe of we're, cl- we're close, and I think they know going forward with, with a lot of these prospects, and we've talked about a lot of them, um, and we haven't talked about like Ace Lacey, we haven't talked about others. I think there's a feeling of like, okay, um, it, it's it's kind of like showtime. Like let's let's see what happens. Um, and I, I go, but I think it's all going to come down to health, really. I mean, you got to, as it always tends to for a lot of these teams. But it's just essential that these arms stay healthy, uh, and, and and that you don't. I mean, they've gone times these past two years with like four really solid hitters in the lineup or, 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 or four or five at times. And so if you, with this lineup, you could, you could, uh, you could easily have six, if not seven with Montessi. And so and maybe Michael Taylor, you don't know what he's going to bring, but um, I think when you look at it from that standpoint, it's, it's a much improved team and a team that, that should compete in a lot of games and put themselves in a position. So we'll see, but there's, there's, there is definitely a, I mean, the buzz thing is such a cliche that I am just mad at myself for bringing it up. But they, they definitely, they're very, they're confident and they're, they're hungry. They really are. Um, and, and you've seen that since the beginning of last year. You mentioned the – go ahead, Joel. I, I do think it's really interesting. I didn't think about this, Alex, when we were talking to Shane Summers last week, but there's still a lot of guys from that 13, 14, 15 stretch on this team whether they've been here for a significant period of time or not. But, like, there are dudes that have gone through the ups and downs, but still, like, they know what winning baseball looks like. They know how to win games. Yanny Duffy, Salvador Perez, then you bring back Greg Holland, Wade Davis. What those look like, guys look like, I don't know, but that's just a better presence that those dudes all have rings on their finger. Then you bring in a guy like Andrew Benintendi, who recently has won a World Series. 
you know, and I'm not saying that the Royals are going to make the playoffs this year, but you get the guys in, you have a bunch of guys in your locker room to couple with these young players that are starting to come up that whether or not the Royals have won a lot in recent years, they know how to win baseball games. They know what it takes to win baseball games consistently. So I think they have a really good mix of guys right now, veteran and young players to, to make some noise, whether they do it this year or next, you know, remains to be seen. But I think we're going to start to see, as I mentioned last week, we're going to start to see some trends in the right direction this year. And I think it starts with those types of guys. Yeah, you have yeah. to. I mean, I, I, I'll let you go in a second, Alex. But, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you have to see a trend in the right direction. I mean, I mean if you're going to spend the money and make the moves, like you have to. Um, and, and, and I do, I mean, maybe it's because I'm close to it every day or maybe you guys same way, but I, I think it's a, it's really easy to see a way this goes pretty right. I mean, it's just, it's to me, it just, seems pretty easy to think um there's decisions to be made with salvi and solaire i i think um contract wise that are that are, are also kind of just hovering as clouds to the season that are going to be interesting to see what happens um i mean i'm i wonder with monetary situation i wonder what just how i, I just there, there there are a lot of questions kind of hovering above but i think it's really easy to to see this thing going really right um and so, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be, it, it, it'll be fun to watch. On that note, and you mentioned Cleveland, you know, anytime you can not trade your best player in an off season, <laughs> like the Royals definitely have a leg up there. And I think maybe the Royals shouldn't expect to finish third in the division, but I do think it's a very legitimate possibility that the Royals are better than Cleveland this year. And we've been sitting here talking about if all these things go right and, you know, if they can finish third, if they can approach 500 or maybe even the playoffs, um, you know, all these things that could go right. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, the one thing that we talked about last week, Alec, and the one thing that, you know, you don't have to get too into depth if you don't want to, in Vegas they got the over-under at 71 and a half. If that total goes under – the Royals are blank. <laughs> uh, I need more time to think about this. Um, the Royals are in a bad spot. I mean, I, I don't – I wish I had one word to crystallize it. But they're in a bad spot if they lose more than 71 and a half. I mean, as you're looking forward with these young pitchers um, – I don't, I don't know. I guess there's a way to think if they go under, but these young pitchers per, perform in a way and some of the young prospects perform in a way, there's a way that's like, okay, well, at least those guys. But I just think you're trying to build. And 70, under, like 70 wins, 68, 69, I said it. There you go. Everyone have a good time. Um, it, it, <laughs> nice. It, it, like, that just doesn't – like, it's just not – I just you're, – you're trying to build momentum. That's this whole offseason has been about momentum. And I, I, I'm not really sure that's a momentum feeling move. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty confident they go over that. Like, I, I really am, unless just health gets in the way in a catastrophic way. Um, I, I'm, really, I'm pretty confident they go over that. It'd be, it'd be, it would be very fascinating to see what, uh, what pans out if they go under that. That's, that's for sure. Well, and with COVID, I think there's, there's some built-in excuses from Jump Street. Um, sure. But let's say let's say in a normal season, if they go, if I would say, and you tell me this is fair or not, I said it last week too. If they go under and everything is normal, like we, we're not talking about freak accidents, we're not talking about freak injuries or COVID, and if this goes under seventy one, I am going to be really concerned because let's say the Twins win eighty eight and the Royals win seventy eight this year, I think the Royals have the horses to become competitive with Minnesota and Chicago next year if they can win 78 games. If the Royals win 68 games, they don't have the horses. I mean, really, nobody does to make up 20 games of ground over one year. And this front office, this organization needs to be good in 2022. And I don't mean 500 good. I mean, in 2022, this team needs to be competing for a playoff spot if we're to believe that they are the right men and place to go for the job um and and i didn't i didn't say they had to make the playoffs 2022 
but they need to be competing for a playoff spot. I think those are two very distinct differences there. Um, and if they don't win 70 games this year, I don't know how they make up the other 20 games. Like, I don't know how you can go from winning 68 games in 2021 in a normal season to competing for a playoff spot in 2022. And maybe I'm being unfair in my analysis, my assessment of where the organization is at in terms of where, they've, where they're coming from, where they are, where they're going. Um, but I would be really concerned. So when I say that, I'm not anticipating it. I'm anticipating this team winning <laughs> 78 games. Like, I really do. I think they'll win 77, and I think 80 is well within reach. But that number, if, they, if for some reason in Vegas they go under, I'm going to be wildly concerned about the, the place this organization is in at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You have such momentum as an organization and, and as a fan base, I think the fans are, have been locked in and excited. Like I, I, I maybe Twitter is a terrible uh, representation of what I'm seeing, but it just feels, I mean, even at the athletic with the comment, I mean, it just feels like people are engaged in a way that I'm not sure they've been in a, in a while. And I think that's a, again, it's a testament to what um, at those at the very top have done. Uh, and you need that to carry forward to be a successful organization. I mean, this thing, as much as we, it's about culture and about, I mean, you got to win games. And so, um, after after what Royals fans have seen the last few years, it, it's essential that they start to show and start to be competitive and win games and, and get over the hump these next few years in a way they they obviously have not. So, I I, I mean, from from any anybody who says they'd be concerned, I, I would totally I I totally buy that. I mean, as as much as Vegas knows something that I don't, a hundred percent, that's the case. Um, still, I, I think it's 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 essential for this this team to to keep pushing that momentum forward, even for the young guys and what they look to do uh, in the years to come. Absolutely. Well, Alec, this has been great. Thank you so much. We have one last question for you. You're a two-time guest, so we've already asked you the baseball history question, so I have to go in a different direction here. I, I, Alex, I need to do this. I need to ask a different question to multiple-time guests. And this time, I'm going to go with if you could face one pitcher from baseball as you are in the box facing this pitcher, who is it? <laughs> um... I'm not necessarily asking you like someone you could hit, just like someone you want to see what their repertoire looked like. Zach Grinky. Grinky. I mean, I want to see how a fastball at 89 looks versus a changeup at 89. And I, I also just want him to do something goofy that I'm going to laugh at because I think he's one of the funniest people of all time. Uh, I, like, tell I you what's coming. Him, I want him to get to the Hall of Fame because he would give the greatest speech of all time. Like, I don't think there's any debate in that at all. And it would probably be just as simple as thanks. That was pretty cool. And then just walk off stage. Like it would something be something like that. I talked to him for the first time uh, when I was an intern at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel my sophomore year, the summer after my sophomore year. And I, I didn't really know. I, look, like I grew up loving baseball. I played and I like watched it while I was younger, but then kind of stopped. And I just don't know how much I knew about Jack Greenkey. I remember going into the, uh, I guess he was with the Diamondbacks at the time, but they sent me into that clubhouse. He had been with the Brewers. And it's like, yeah, go do something. And I watched his interview play out. I'm too young to ask a question in that situation, but I watched the interview play out and I was like, is this like, what is going on? Like, I just didn't understand anything. And I, I'll never forget. It's it just, he's, we did this story last year about like his Royals days. And I, it was just so funny to go through. And I, um, I think it would be so awesome. He, he's, he's, he's one of my favorites, but I mean, the pitching in this day, day and age, these guys, I love, like when Shane Bieber the other day was starting, even though he's throwing half his arsenal because he can, I just love watching these guys. That, that's what I think Royals fans, if these pitchers progress the way they have thus far, to see those guys like on a consistent five-day basis, is, I think it's just going to be a really cool thing. Um, so that Grinky would be my answer. He's, he's the man. Love that. Well, Alec, this has been awesome. We'd love to have you on again. We'd love to to do this again sometime because you give great insight. You do awesome work. Folks, subscribe to The Athletic. Follow what Alec does. Follow what everyone else The Athletic is doing. It's great stuff. It's not. It's like five bucks a month or something like that for some <laughs> of the best sports journalism out there. 
follow what they're doing. It's awesome. And we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, as always, you guys do great work. And I read stuff and I'm like, damn it, that was something I needed to have done or should have done. And that's, that's the sign of – no, you guys do a really good job. Um, and I appreciate it. I, I can talk about this stuff all day long. I don't know if that would be good for my mental health, but I could. Um, so, no, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you guys uh, having me. Um, well, enjoy Phoenix. Well. Enjoy spring training. Stay safe. Stay well. And here's to a great 2021 season. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Take care.